0: This afternoon for this uh, Brahma-Vihara practice period, we're going to explore forgiveness together. So we'll continue with metta tomorrow. And uh, often forgiveness is actually taught even before loving-kindness practice is taught because it's really difficult to open our hearts to ourselves or to others when the pain of resentment is, uh, is unprocessed. And I often think that if there could be a fifth Brahma-vihara, it would be forgiveness, maybe with gratitude as a close sixth. But it's, in my own practice, forgiveness has actually been that important that I kind of consider it in my heart, <laughs> a 5th brahmavihara. And forgiveness is a, it really is a practice. Forgiveness really is a journey because everyone in this room, you've all worked with forgiveness in one way or another, and you know that it can't be willed. If we could just will ourselves to (laughs) forgive ourselves or forgive others, um, I wouldn't even need to be up here talking to you about it. But forgiveness practice requires turning toward the places where we've caused harm or we've been harmed and uh, willingness to really acknowledge and look at our relationship. Uh, Jack talks about forgiveness as being (laughs) a practice of giving up all hope, (laughs) giving up all hope for a better past. And, And I like that. And I think for many of us, just, you know, the state of the climate, the state of the world, um, how do we hold in our hearts the wrongs? You know, how do we hold in our hearts the, the um, injustices? And how do we at the same time acknowledge the truth of what's so, both personally and collectively, and act in a way that is in balance and that doesn't further the misunderstanding and the hatred? Um, how do we act in a way that prevents harm from happening again as much as possible, but not becoming from the pain of resentment? The Buddha, the Buddha talked about um, resentment as like Holding a hot coal. You know, thinking that we can throw it at somebody, somehow in self-defense, but you know what happens when you hold a hot coal, right? You get burned. And resentment can very much have that feeling or flavor of holding a hot coal. So forgiveness is really a it's a necessary part of the work that we do to heal. And to come into present time and, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be leading you in three different kinds of forgiveness practice. You know, forgiveness for yourself and f- asking for forgiveness from others and offering forgiveness to others. And uh, to take it out of the abstract, it's just forgiveness is really, it's an act of compassion. You know, forgiveness is a uh, meeting suffering acknowledging suffering and coming into a new relationship with suffering so I see it as being kind of a arm really of compassion practice letting go of um, some of the burden and some of the pain that we carry that separates us and forgiveness is really something that uh we practice in this way we really practice it for ourselves we practice it to um it it it's great if if beings can come together in a spirit of reconciliation and healing and if there can be mutual forgiveness but we can forgive no matter what someone else is doing so forgiveness is really a a practice um for ourselves because because we care about our own suffering. The great Archbishop um, Desmond Tutu explains it like this. He says, To to forgive is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive you so that my anger and resentment and lust for revenge don't corrode my being. I'm going to read that one more time. To forgive is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive you so that my anger and resentment and lust for revenge don't corrode my being. I think that's so wise and clear and beautiful coming from a man who has um, experienced and seen and fought for so very much. So forgiveness is a way of um choosing not to retaliate choosing something that is other than revenge that is more uh awake and non-harming than um than revenge and you know sometimes in these new age movements you can hear like oh yeah you know you just you for it's such a place of spiritual bypass sometimes you know Oh, I'm done with that. Oh, I f- I've i forgiven. It's it's all done. But it, the true forgiveness is it's really a it's it's a process that um, as each of you know, it, it 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 takes time. Forgiveness can't be forced, it can't be rushed. Because often there's a there's a sense that if we forgive completely somehow we will be condoning harm. Or if we forgive completely, somehow um, the story of what has happened is forgotten. And I want to say very clearly that forgiveness does not condone. Forgiveness is not the same thing as forgetting. Forgiveness is um, it's not weak. It's not naive, but often when we are holding um, the pain of the pain of resentment, it's a natural, it's a natural human response. But there can be some sense that the tension of resentment is going to protect us. Do you know how that feels? Like as long as I'm resenting, that's not going to happen again. But it doesn't actually protect us for the most part. For the most part, um, it shuts us down. It takes a lot of energy to keep that going. Even the word resentment is, you know, resending, resending. I remember today we won't do forgiveness practice for the most difficult things ever, but uh, I remember one time working with forgiveness practice with this person in my life who I wanted to forgive, and it was hard. <laughs> it was hard, and I pictured them standing on the other side of the Grand Canyon. Standing on the other side of the Grand Canyon with me on one side, so there was a sense of okay, with that person that far away, <laughs> I felt safe and open to begin the forgiveness, and and um, we don't need to let you know somebody back into our lives to forgive them, but there's there's really not a reason to keep really any being outside of our heart when we when we look closely. a a number of years ago, a family member who had been really difficult for me came to visit me at home in Durango. And I knew that this person was coming. And I honestly had really mixed feelings about them coming. I sort of wanted to see them, but I sort of didn't because I think they sort of thought everything was fine. And in in my heart, things weren't resolved. And I was aware that there probably wasn't going to be a relational Know, that we were going to just have some great conversation and have everything be hunky-dory. And so I was just, uh, I was aware of the hurt and the pain that was at work in my experience and this this wish that I had. Like, I, I just wish I could forgive this person completely because it's done and they're a good person. But it, it wasn't like that. It was just, um, I felt, uh, I felt armored around this person. I felt hesitant or reluctant around this person. and I. I picked up this person from the airport and I got in my car and we were driving home and it was, for me, it was totally awkward. Like I I didn't know quite what to say to them and it was, you know, you know how that can feel sometimes. And as we were driving along and I was, you know, wanting to feel more connection with this person and having this response in my body that felt very personal. You know, the experience felt very personal, the relationship felt personal between the two of us. In one of these moments of this long, these long silences between us, it just became so clear to me all of the causes and conditions that had given rise to the experience of being in the car with this person with my belly feeling tight and not really knowing what to say. It was just, it, it was became so apparent in this moment just that um, I, I thought about their their childhood I thought about how this person had been raised and what their experiences were and some of how they'd been shaped and how they had been um, conditioned to be in relationship. I thought about how I'd been been raised and what my conditioning is and um, how much I had this wish to just be able to you know talk it out and have everything be great and as I really saw in that moment that if things could have been otherwise, they would have been otherwise. I mean, I really saw all the causes and conditions that were giving rise to this challenge. My heart really completely opened. It was interesting, after all this time of forgiveness practice, there was something about seeing the vastness of the causes and conditions that gave rise to how things were, really some measure of equanimity that allowed the heart to... uh, to really know that forgiveness was all that made sense. So it's this process of um, intending, you know? Intending, and for me, it really, um, the places with forgiveness in my life, it just comes down to a, um, you know, willingness to accept what has happened, e- even even the things that, um, that are unforgivable in a certain sense. Acceptance not in condoning, but just acceptance because what's happened has happened. And um, moving forward is really, is really all that's up to us. And as human beings, you know, I think part of why we need forgiveness so much is that you know, until we're fully free in our hearts, in any relationship, there is this capacity to cause harm. It doesn't make us bad or wrong. It just means that there's still greed, hatred, and delusion at work. And so because of this, because we are relational creatures, we, we need forgiveness. Um, it would be unbearable, in a certain sense, human relationship, without the capacity to forgive and we um we will be harmed we will we will cause harm and there's there's the big harms and there's just the little ones too such a such a range and this is part of why you know forgiveness it's not just a buddhist thing it's a cross-cultural practice ritual because we need it to be in relationship together going to share a story that inspires me before we do the practice. And this to me is just a story, um, it really illustrates the, the, um, the journey of forgiveness and forgiveness as an intention and really a, a a practice. This is from, this is from Jack Cornfield. And he says, uh, once he was on the train from Washington to Philadelphia, And he was seated next to an African-American man who had worked for the State Department in India but had quit um, to run a program in D.C. And he was saying that most of the kids he worked with were gang members who had committed homicide. So rough, you know, really rough stuff. And one 14-year-old boy in this program had shot and killed an innocent teenager to prove himself to his gang. And at the trial the victim's mother sat impassively silent until the very end, and um, at the end of the trial, the youth was convicted of this killing. After the verdict was announced, she stood up slowly and stared directly at him and said to him, I'm going to kill you. Then the youth was taken away to serve several years in the juvenile facility. After the first six months, the mother of the slain child went to visit his killer, He had been living on the streets before the killing, and she was the only visitor he had had. For a time they talked, and when she left, she gave him some money for cigarettes. Then she started step-by-step to visit him more regularly, bringing food and bringing small gifts. Near the end of his three-year sentence, she asked him what he'd be doing when he got out. He was confused and uncertain so she offered to set him up with a job at a friend's company. Then she inquired about where he would live, and since he had no family to return to, she offered him temporary use of the spare room in her home. For eight months, he lived there, ate her food, and worked at the job. Then one evening, she called him into the living room to talk. She sat down opposite him, and she waited. And Then she started. Do you remember in the courtroom when I said I was going to kill you? I sure do, he replied. Well, I did, she went on. I did not want the boy who could kill my son for no reason to remain alive on this earth. I wanted him to die, which is why I started to visit you and bring you things. That's why I got you the job and let you live here in my house. That's how I set about changing you. And that old boy, he's gone, so now I want to ask you, since my son is gone and that killer is gone, if you'll stay here. I've got room, and I'd like to adopt you if you let me. And she became the mother of her son's killer. She became the mother he never had. It's a true story, actually. That's like a really a grand story of forgiveness, but it's inspiring in in terms just of uh, of what's possible. So let's just do do uh, let's do some practice and just as you uh, come into a posture that's... As as comfortable as possible for your body. Let's just take a moment of uh, of quiet and sensing the body from the inside out. Maybe allowing the belly to soften a bit. And you might bring the attention into the heart center. And checking in on the state of your heart this afternoon. And as you do this also, just sensing into your own, your own humanity, this human heart, joy and sorrow, it's just essentially deeply human heart. And take a moment just to rest in this, this humanness, really. And we'll begin silently together by asking asking for forgiveness and uh, as you do this I recommend um, not uh, choosing the thing that's been the most painful for you but just keeping it more general and more broad for today just uh, acknowledging in our humanity not yet fully Free the ways that, that you've hurt or harmed. Again, not the biggest ways. And just to yourself for all the ways that I have hurt or harmed any being. knowingly or unknowingly. I ask for forgiveness now. I acknowledge that my acts came from fear or confusion. So we're really forgiving the confusion. Just letting it settle into your heart center in your own way. For the ways I've hurt or harmed any living being knowingly or unknowingly I ask for your forgiveness. I acknowledge that my actions came from confusion. Came from fear. I'm sitting, opening the heart to the possibility of forgiveness in this way asking. really grounded in the body, <coughs> feeling the goodness, sensing the goodness that lives just in this longing we have to be forgiven. just as we have caused some hurts some harms we've also endured some hurts and some harms so now just acknowledging there are many ways that I have been hurt are harmed by others, knowingly or unknowingly. These tender human hearts. I acknowledge that the actions that harm me have come from confusion, from misunderstanding. To the extent that I'm ready, I offer forgiveness. And if I'm not ready to offer forgiveness today, may I offer forgiveness sometime in the future? Again, keep it general not the biggest hurts, acknowledging in this human experience there's many ways I have been hurt or harmed by others, knowingly or unknowingly. At their core, these actions came from misunderstanding, confusion. To the extent that I'm ready, I offer forgiveness now. And if I'm not ready to offer forgiveness now, may I offer forgiveness sometime in the future? Whatever is happening, not needing to change the experience. Whether it's difficult or sweet, just allowing this, this intention, this intention setting practice to the extent that I'm ready. I offer forgiveness. And just as we have uh, hurt or harmed others, we've also hurt or harmed ourselves in different ways from, from our own confusion, being, being difficult on ourselves or not caring for the body, Maybe not making good choices. So just taking a moment to appreciate gently perhaps the ways you have betrayed or abandoned yourself because, because of misunderstanding. Again, in this human, this deeply human experience. Taking a moment to, if you wish, offer yourself forgiveness. for the ways you've hurt or harmed your own, your own dear being. Might just use the words forgiven, forgiven. It's not possible today, may I forgive myself sometime in the future. All that matters here is the intention to forgive as conditions allow. I'd like to offer some additional phrases just to support self-forgiveness, which is so often where it's needed, where, where forgiveness is needed most, most directly. And so silently you might, if you, if you wish, kind of like the, the metta phrases. Just I allow myself to make mistakes. I allow myself to be imperfect. I allow myself to be a learner, still learning life's lessons. I forgive myself for the harm I've caused myself as much as possible in this moment. I allow myself to make mistakes, to be imperfect. to be a learner, still learning, forgiven, forgiven. In the last minutes of the meditation, you might uh, let go of the forgiveness phrases and just come back, sensing again the heart center in the field of the of the whole body sitting. a few moments to connect with the presence of of metta of kindness in some way as if the presence of kindness could fill, fill the whole body, hold, hold the whole body.